Good morning, everybody. Now, this is Colorado weather outside, is it not? Amen. We're not done with snow, but days like this are awesome. I want to tell you that if Rock is your church home and you did not get our annual report, if you were not here last Sunday or didn't get it walking in, please be sure and pick up one of these. Find out about our finances, salvations, and ministries, and all that God is doing. Please pick that up on your way out. I want to give you some more good news about what you are doing within the community. We are working with D20, D11, D49 with the McKinney-Vento. It's the uh, a person in the school district that works directly with home homeless students and getting them what they need. And so one of the things that uh, uh, we've been approached is uh, two, two different areas is one, we had a family that both mom and dad, they're low income, but both mom and dad were having, a, have battled a, a medical crisis. I didn't, they can't share what happened. They said, this would be a great family for you guys to invest in. Could you help them with one month's rent? We said, yes, we will. And so we're blessing that family. Then um, we have, uh, just so you know, we have homeless students and, and families that need assistance. They don't have transportation either. We have a shuttle bus. And so if you are retired or have a day off the week and you go, man, I could give my Tuesday or I could give a Wednesday afternoon to shuttling. They need help getting uh, maybe just to a doctor's appointment, maybe getting to a therapy or whatever that is. We're going to look at trying to expand our shuttle bus drivers so that we can be available to help people get where they need to go. One simple thing was D11 told me that they have homeless students that they pay a service $50 per student to get them from wherever they're staying to their school and $50 home per student. They have over 400 homeless students to qualify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, what if I offered my, my had an approved uh, background checked driver? What would that look like? They go, we would have to investigate, but holy smokes, that would save money and it would make a difference. Amen? And then I shared with you last week about 20 students from D11 that are unaccompanied minors. They are on their own and they need clothing. Some have had their clothing stolen when they stolen when they stay at the shelters. And so because of your generosity, because of the goodness of God to Rock Family Church, we are going to give each student a $200 gift card to go shopping and we're going to do that. We're going to give $4,000 to the district to help these students. But then some of you last week said, "How can I get involved? What can I do?" And so what I'm going to ask you to do is we have worship night tonight. Either bring back a a $25 or $50 gift card. We're going to supplement the gift cards that we're giving as a church if you want to do something tangible or get it to the church office by this Wednesday and Thursday. We're going to deliver all of the gift cards and we're going to let these students that there are people in this community that believe in them, love them, support them. And even though they feel like they're all alone, there is an army of love behind them. Amen? All right. Let's dive into the Word of God today. We're talking about better together. Everybody say better together. Life is better. And today we're going to look at the life of Jesus and get his input. And we're going to talk about Jesus on friendship. What does Jesus have to say on friendship? And the reality is 
that we need quality friendships on the inside of us. The person who says, I don't need anybody, is the person who is simply afraid of getting hurt again. And all too often, we want friendships, we need friendships, but we really aren't that good at being a friend. So I can't make people like you. I can't make people be your friend. But what we're going to dive in today is how can we become the friend that people would want to be friends with? We can't change others, but we can change us. And I want to look at the qualities of being a good friend through the lens and through the words of Jesus Christ. And John chapter 15, verse 9 through 17 is, is Jesus' words on friendship. But here's the reality. We can't expect to attract what we don't have or that we are not. If we want a friend that is faithful, if we want a friend that is, is sticks with us, if we want a friend that is confidential, if we want a friend that's supporting and encouraging, then guess what? We have to become that. The law and the principle of the entire Bible is whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. It's the law of sowing and reaping. So if we sow being a good friend, it will draw good friends unto us, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But that means we're going to have to sow some friendship, and we might sow in some people, and we get nothing back. But the next person we sow into it may come back to us, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over with abundance of good friends around us. Amen? So this isn't about changing your neighbor. This is about changing you. Let's become what we need to be. So let's dive into the words of Jesus. Verse 9. I'm going to pick up there. He said, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. So what happens? Point number one, friendship with God, a friendship, Jesus on friendship and how we become friends is we pursue God together. We have to pursue God together. And what does that look like? It means that Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. That means that we'll get those things called friends that will be added unto us as we seek first the kingdom. Don't seek friends. Seek becoming more like Jesus. When we pursue God and we act and we live like him, guess what? we're going to be the friend that people want. Because the more time we spend in our vertical relationship with God, the better our horizontal friendships, relationships will become. If you notice the words of Jesus, he was motivated by what God had done for him. I have loved you as the Father has loved me. That's the message of this first one is that we pursue God so his life can permeate ours and now it impacts and it transforms to the people around us. The foundation of any and every relationship must be walking and pursuing a, a relationship with God. 
If we struggle to love, if we struggle to get along with certain people, if we struggle to love a certain demographic in our society, our culture, then that is identifying that we are lacking in our vertical relationship because God so loved the world and that is for every human being, seven point odd, some odd billion currently on the earth. And as we spend time, his love will get in us and it will revolutionize our marriage, our relationship with our kids, our parents, our friends, and our family members. When we live a life that honors God, we become a likable, lovable, and admired individual that people go, I want to hang out with you. I want to, I want to get to know you better. In Luke chapter 9, we see that Jesus took Peter... John and James up on a mountain to pray. There was a spiritual connection. True and authentic friendships will be based on our walk with God. If you have a friend that's trying to pull you away from the things of God, that's not really a friend. But Peter, John, and James had a connection with Jesus. And he took them up on the mountain for a spiritual high that was going to happen in Jesus' life when the Father speaks, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Peter's having such a good mountain high. It was probably a taste of our little worship session we had this morning. Was that good or what? Amen? And I just got to put a plug in here. That was only waist deep. Tonight in worship night, we're going to try and move that move that water level where we're just overtaken by the presence of the living God. Amen? I encourage you to come back tonight. We need to pursue God. We need to inspect our relationships and determine which ones are helping us in our walk with God and which ones are taking us from our walk with God. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Let's be wise. Let's pursue God. Now we can look back at the words of Jesus in verse 11. And he says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now here's the reality. That when we fully engage in our walk with God, and we're basking in his presence, and his life and his spirit is filling us Guess what? Point number two, how are we going to be a friend? We're going to exude joy and confidence. What does that mean? Here's what I would say. Are people better off when they are around you? Are people encouraged when they're around you? You know, and and, and, do you have any friends like this? I'm happy. (laughs) I'm thrilled. Right, what? What kind of a friend are you? I would say this. If you're happy, notify your face. <laughs> and then some people say, well, well I'm, I'm really depressed. I believe this. Fake joy is better than real depression. Just, just put a smile on your face. You see, when you walk into a room, do people go, oh, look, they're here. Ha, ha, ha. Or do they go, oh, gosh, they showed up. (laughs) What kind of friend do you want to be seen and known and esteemed as? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, 
always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. When you ask singles what is on their top list of what they want in a marriage partner, a good sense of humor is right up there with good communication, good looks. It, we we want to be around people that see the cup as half full versus half empty. We want to be a person that has a sustenance of joy. We have uh, this, this inner thing that sustains us, that even in the middle of difficult times, we're optimistic. We are, we are positive, and we believe and expect the best. And true friendship is about uplifting and about encouraging one another. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Paul says we need to add to other people's lives. We need to be a supplement to them. We need to be a joy to them. Why? Because when we're going through a difficult time, when we're not feeling happy, when we have sown joy, when we have sown confidence, it'll come back to us. And see, there's that confidence when we're walking with God that no matter what happens, we know that we're going to be triumphant in Christ Jesus. In James chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come, come your way, consider it, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. What is it saying? When your car won't start, when your furnace needs to be replaced, when your dog's lost, when whatever it is, when, when you, you get a review and, and, and there is, they said company-wide, there's no, there's no raises this year. There's no bonuses this year. How, how am I going to respond? I'm going to count it all joy because my job is not my source. God is. I'm going to count it all joy because my car broke down. My furnace went out. There's an opportunity to see how is God going to do this. How is God? I'm, I have an opportunity for God to move. Proverbs 15, 13 says, A heart full of joy and goodness makes a cheerful face. But when a heart is full of sadness, the spirit is crushed. Let's exude joy and confidence in our walk with God. Jesus goes on in verse 12 and he says, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Number three, we love without limits or borders. Now, whew, that's challenging when you really think about it. That God's love has no limits no borders or no boundaries. God's love is unconditional. But so often in this world, our love is conditional. If you do what I want, if you do what I ask, I love you. If you do what I need, I love you. But God says, love without borders, boundaries, or limitations. What does that mean? On your notes, we accept we respect, we value, we honor, we support and serve others with no boundaries, limitations, or expectations. 
Do you know what I found? If you don't expect anything from anyone, you're pleasantly surprised when people come through. <laughs> rather than disappointed. If we're like, I thought you were, you said you were. And you know what? If I go, God is my source. And, and, and whether you do it or not, I'm going to love you. Whether you fulfill this or not, I'm going to love you. Whether you help me out with the house project or not, I'm going to love you. But here's what happens. We get wounded. We get hurt. We, we, we shun relationships and friendships because you hurt me. And if we could learn to overcome those offenses, if we could squelch those, how much healthier and stronger would our relationships be? What if regardless of what people did to you or I, we said, I'm going to love you. Jesus talked about it. He said, if they strike you on one cheek, offer the other. He said, if they want your coat, give them your shirt too. What was he saying? There is nothing that you can do that will cause me not to love you. Because my love, is, my love is based upon who God is in me. And my love that's unconditional has no borders or boundaries or limitations. So regardless of what you do, I'm always going to love you. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8 in the Amplified Bible unpacks this. It says, Above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another. And I love these words. Because love covers a multitude of sins. And the Amplified Bible gives clarity. It says it overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. Unselfishly seeks the best for others. Some of you weren't sure if you were in the Catholic Church this morning. We had a candle lighting of what this was about, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No, it's not about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's about that love covers a multitude of sins. Because, see, if, 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 I, took, if I took this, if I tore out a page of this book and set it on fire, that's typically what we do is we get burned by somebody and we say, well, I'm going to burn you. And, and somebody throws some fire and, man, we get the gas light that puppy and we throw it back and all of a sudden we have a forest fire of flames and hurt and wounds and sin and and anger and hate because of that fire now i can do that 1001 1002 <laughs> this represents sin wounds hurts and offenses that people are doing to you. Do you know how you respond? When your spouse is short, you come home, you're like, hey babe, how are you? What's for dinner? I thought you said you were gonna have dinner when I got home. Ooh. What are we supposed to do with that? Love covers a multitude of sins. We smother it. We cover it. This wet rag, has nothing for that little flame. Now if we let it get bigger, and all of a sudden the whole stage is on fire, and I throw a wet rag on it, uh, good luck with that. 
And see, that's traditionally what we do. And then we say, love doesn't work. I tried to put love on the forest fire, but it didn't do anything. It's because you let that little word, that little selfish moment, that person backing out of their commitment, you didn't smother it. But if we'll love covers a multitude of sins, if we'll cover it, it quenches it and it puts it out. That's the way we need to do with the little forest fires that the enemy tries to bring division and anger and, and, and you're hurt and you're wounded and offended. How Should I pay them back? No, you don't pay them back. You cover it with love. You smother it with love. And then we have to see as God sees. When, when the prophet Samuel was told to go to the house of Jesse to choose the next king and all of Jesse's sons were lined up, Samuel began to look at them. Weasel, mm, I don't like his personality. Too short, too tall. And he got to the oldest son. He goes, this is the one. Oh, man, this guy's got it. He's got the looks. He's got the brawn. He's got the brave. He's got it going on. This has definitely got to be the one. And what did the Lord say? But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What was the Lord teaching us? I'll never forget. I didn't have, a, I didn't have any, any prejudice. I, I, if you had asked me in, in, in 2000, are you prejudiced against any race kind or type of people. I would have said, no way. But after 9-11 happened in 2001, something birthed in the inside of me that I had never felt before. That when I was getting on a plane to fly and there was a, a, a man or a woman of Arabic descent, all of a sudden there was a, what are you going to do? There was a, there was a I'm going to be on guard. I'm, I'm going to keep a distance. And I went, what is this, Lord? I've never experienced this. We're all tempted to be challenged with prejudice. In James chapter 2, it talks about a warning against prejudice. And it, it talks about how we can claim to have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, yet we'll show favor to some over others. And the example that is given is, he says, if a rich man or rich woman comes in to your gathering, you say, oh, look at the way he's dressed. Oh, look at the wealth they have. Look at the jewelry they have. You come and sit right here on the front row. And someone comes in who's poor, who's dressed in dirty clothes, and you say to that person, hey, uh, you can stand over here. There's a chair way back over there for you. He said, you're discriminating and you're showing judgment over one person over the other. We do that with skin color. We do that with someone that, that maybe you've ever been flying and, and someone is grossly overweight. You don't know what's caused them to have and be where they are. Oh, but I'm the person sitting next to them. Are we going to show prejudice or are we going to show love? We're surrounded by homeless people on our street corners. And we see them. And it's easy to kind of go, hey, and develop some feelings of 
whatever towards them? Have you ever stopped to talk to them, to hear their story, and maybe to unpack some love without even giving them anything tangible, but to talk to them? Oh, and what about politics? There's some Republicans that need to hug a Democrat. There's some Democrats that just need to look at a Republican in the eye and go, I love you. We need to overcome our differences and we need to not show preferential treatment. And do we dare touch the LGBT community? That it's interesting to me that we're okay with a man looking at pornography and having an affair And we don't pinpoint him out, but we want to pinpoint and point our finger out and show prejudice towards somebody who's living an alternative lifestyle than we are. Let's show love to all. Let's show love to people who are following God. Let's show love to people who are far from God. Let's let's show love to people within our church family. Let's show love to people that are outside of our church family. It says in verse 8 of James chapter 2, it says, Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the Scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. It goes on, it says, But if you favor some people over others, would you just get your pen out and would you underline the next couple words there? You are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. What's the law? Jesus said there's one law. Love as I have loved you. This is the commandment. And so we're going to love and respect all people, regardless of their race, their ethnicity, their social or political or economic status or background, their physicality, their education, their sexual preference, Or now, here's a buzzword, their immigration status. We're going to love people. We're going to lead with love. And when we lead with love, we become a likable person. We become a person that will draw all men unto us so we can show them him. That that we display the character of Christ, the love of God without limits or borders. That we embrace people with love first, not judgment or prejudice. Thank you, Lord. Jesus goes on in verse 43 of Matthew chapter 5 and he teaches us, he said, you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said, but I say, love your enemies. Come on. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, he said, you will be acting as children of your Father in heaven for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. He gives the sun to those who are saying, God, I don't want anything to do with you. He still shows himself faithful. Verse 46, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. What is that? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. It says, imitate God. Therefore, 
in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. Let's go on to the words of Jesus. Verse 13. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. How do we be a good friend? Number four, we serve and we sacrifice. We serve and we sacrifice. That means, A, we're putting others first and me second. The very thing that strains any and every relationship is when we push and exalt ourselves above the other person. In conversation, we want to tell what's going on in our life, and we want to we want to unload what, what's happening in ours. B, Jesus' life wasn't just about the one and final sacrifice on the cross, it was his lifestyle. For even, it says in Matthew 20, for even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 of the Message Bible. Every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all. Starting with the other people closest to us in the community of faith. We need to start with showing love here. Everybody wants friends, but not everybody is willing to sacrifice to gain friends. It means surrendering some of your time to help a friend out with a project or a move. It's offering to babysit somebody else's kids while they can have a free afternoon and you know they're not ever going to offer it in reverse, but you're going to give in love, sow in love, and invest in love. It means that we're going to sacrifice my desires for your desires. Then when we say to friends, hey, let's get together, let's go out to eat, and they go, yeah. And you go, we're going for Mexican. And they say, ooh, I don't like Mexican. And I say, get saved. (laughs) No, that was my flesh speaking, I'm sorry. That was my flesh. When they say, I don't like Mexican, I say, you choose. I want to go where you want to go. And you say, but I don't like Asian. I don't like Thai food. I don't like Indian food. They do. Suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) Be a friend. And if, as we serve and as we sacrifice for others, that's our litmus test of the authentic and genuine life and nature of God on the inside of us. Jesus continues in verse 14. He says, you are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves. Because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. He said, now you are my friends. And here's the qualifier of friendship. Since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You see, our world is filled with plastic smiles and plastic people. How are you doing? Ah, the world is great. How, how are you and, you and your husband, your wife doing? Oh, we're just amazing. And you're on the brink of divorce. How, how's everything going? Oh, couldn't be better. And you're financially about to file bankruptcy. We're fake. With fake smiles and fake putting off. Number five, how to be a good friend? We're transparent and we're trustworthy. Can you be real and raw with the people around you? 
Can you let your guard down? Look at how vulnerable Jesus was in Mark chapter 14. It says, They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. Then he took Peter, James, and John with him. We talked a couple weeks ago about those were his three closest friends out of the twelve. And it says, And he became deeply troubled and distressed. Wait a second, where's his faith? Wait a second, I thought he was supposed to have the faith smile on. Hey, I'm good, I'm good. No, he was deeply troubled and distressed. Look what he says in verse 34. He says, he told them, guys, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. And what does he say? Stay here. Would you stay here with me? And would you keep watch? I'm hurting. I'm grieved. It says he went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible that this awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. He said, Abba, Father. He cried out. He didn't say, God, take this. I I don't want them to hear what I'm praying. I don't want them to hear that I really don't want to do what you want me to do. Says he cried out, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup away from me. Yet, God, I want your will to be done and not mine. But Peter, James, and John, I'm like, wow. He wasn't embarrassed to give them insight into the pain and the challenges that he was facing. And we need to be vulnerable. He knew they would respect him. He had confidence in that friendship. And he was modeling to them that we need to be open and transparent and share our deepest victories, concerns, and feelings with the friends that are closest to us. You say, well, I have good friends with some people, but they just don't want to open up. No, you don't. Well, what do you mean? Well, they're not opening up because you won't open up. But I have found in my friendships when I go, when they go, hey, Dean, how's it going? I go, it really sucks right now. Whoa, what's happening? Well, I'm facing this and challenged with this, going through that, and I'm struggling with this. Oh, wow. And I unpack that, and I go, hey, any wisdom or insight? And they go, well, have you thought about this? I'll be praying for you. Now watch. Then I turn and say, that's enough about me. What's going on in your world? I don't get the sugar-coated answer. In fact, I've had friends on the opposite, and when I'm going, my life is pretty good, and they go, how's your life is going? I go, well, you know what? I look for something to be vulnerable to show them that their vulnerability was equal and that I can be vulnerable too. Does that make sense? And then the flip side is, can you be trusted when someone downloads or unpacks something with you? When they say, man, I'm excited about what God is showing me. This is going to be cool, what God is showing me. I need, to, I need to unpack this. Can you keep it in confidence? Or when they say, hey, I'm really struggling with, and they share what it is, can you keep it in confidence? Proverbs 11.13 says, says, a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Jesus, on the night of the Last Supper, He shared confidence. When when John said, Lord, which one's going to betray you? He goes, the one I dipped the bread in? 
the cup and hand it to, that's the one. Jesus shared the inside details with us. Now, let's go on. Let's wrap this up. John 15, verse 16, two parts. You didn't choose me, he said. I chose you. So what does that mean? It means we pursue others. He said, what are you talking about? I've heard this over and over. I need friends. Pastor, can you help me get friends? Nobody, and, this is, and I'll say, well, tell me about it. Nobody invites me out. Nobody invites me over. Nobody wants to go to coffee. And my humble response is, when's the last time you invited somebody out? You invited someone to coffee. Bring your kids over. Let's let our kids hang out, and let's just hang out together. Hey, bring some dessert. You bring your favorite dessert, I'll bring my favorite dessert. We have to pursue others. And that means that I'm going to pursue down several channels and several people, and they might not reciprocate back. But here's, can I tell you, can I help you out? We've got almost 45 small groups going. We have more small groups than we've ever had going. And I am digging it and loving it. But here's where people get weird on small groups. Well, I went to the small group, and I, now I don't know how to, how to get out of it. I really, it really what I wanted. Hey, small groups is like Goldilocks. This one's, this one's too stiff. They want to study the Bible, and they like want to go really, 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 really deep. And I'm just not that kind of person. Sorry, guys. I'm going to try this group. Whoa, this group, this group isn't too deep. They just want to play pickleball, and they don't want to pray. They don't want to do anything. They just want to play pickleball. And I'm really looking for something a little bit, little bit more than just bing, bong, bing, bong, bing, bong. Okay? And you go over here. Oh, this one, I think, oh, this one feels good. This one, ooh, you look around the room. These are, some of these are my people. You're not going to find a group that has everyone in the group as your kind of people. Just so there's some in there that you want to connect with. Because the reason you go to a small group, can I help my brother and my sister out? The reason you go to a small group is you find a small group with some people that you kind of like and kind of enjoy, and then out of that 8 to 10 to 12 people, you're going to find one, two, or three that you go, hey, what are you doing after small group? Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> it happens, doesn't it, Sharon? Sharon's a part of all of our, our sports things and volleyball and softball teams. And we have some great camaraderie in those sport things and we're building friendships. But then somebody will, I, I, I didn't even have to be there, Sharon. I just know some people are in the dugout that go, hey, you want, you want to go to the hamburger afterwards? Let's not invite everybody. Let's just, let's just us three or four go. That's okay. Because you have a camaraderie and something there that you connect with. And you're developing a friendship beyond the 12 to Peter, James, and John to the three. And lastly, John 6, 15, 16 says, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. What does that mean? Number seven, we're committed for the long haul. If you view, if you view relationships as temporary, something's wrong with you. When you create a friendship, you should look at it as this is eternal. This is a lifelong investment. I am committed to you. I am here for you. I'm going to be a friend to you. One of my greatest disappointments for me is when somebody I've embraced as a friend, they don't realize that I've said, you're going to be a friend for a lifetime, and then they turn their back on me and they say, uh, I don't really want to be friends with you. 
That stings. But watch this. More important than all that we can accumulate of all our possessions, wealth, money, finances, goods, things, more important than any of that is we need to focus on building relationships and friendships. And so the reality is, a thousand years from now, when we're ruling and reigning with Christ Jesus, we're going to give a rip and flip about what house we lived in those few years on earth. And when we get to heaven in a thousand years from now, we're not even going to talk about the car we drove, how much money was in our earthly bank account. We're not going to talk about, oh, I did this and did that. The only thing we can take to heaven is none of our wealth, none of our possessions, none of our toys, none of our stuff. The only thing we can take to heaven are people. And we can take them to heaven. Let's invest now in relationships. Amen. Will you stand to your feet? Heavenly Father, thank you for the friends that we do have. But Lord, there's a hunger. There's a thirst to to add to our friend relationship and circle. And God, we're going to own it. We're not going to ask you to do something. We're going to own it and we're going to apply these words of Jesus and we're going to become more like you. We're going to become a friend that has fruit on our tree that is pleasant, desirable, loving, and caring. And when people get around us and they get a little taste of the fruit of our life, they're like, whoa, I really enjoyed those few minutes with them. I really enjoyed that evening with them. And they're going to want to spend more time with us. And as we commit to them, ultimately, they will commit to us. Because we're not meant to do life alone. Lord, help us to be a friend that would draw friends to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. We had baby dedication today. If you guys would put that picture up of that baby. Do you know what we love about babies? One of the things we love about babies, that baby has never sinned. It's pure. It's holy. It's sinless. Has no track record of past and sin and mistakes. That's why Jesus told us we must be born again. Not physically born, but born of the Spirit. Because, see, we have lived on this earth. We've walked on this earth. We've committed sin and made mistakes. and We've sinned against God. We've sinned against others. And we have a litany and a, and a record of sins. But Jesus said, you must be born again. He said, when you are born again, old things are passed away. And thus, all things become new. And spiritually, you are made new And just like this physical baby, you're a spiritual baby and there's no record of any wrong. As far as the east is the west, from the west, he's removed your sin from you. And the Bible says he remembers your sin no more. He chooses to forget and he esteems you as innocent and pure. Not by anything you did, not by any great task or accomplishments that you've made, but by you saying, Jesus, 
Come into my life. I surrender to you. Be my Lord. And in that moment, you are washed, cleansed, and purified. Why do we need to be pure? So we can have a relationship with a holy and sinless God because we now are holy and sinless. If you're here, you say, Dean, I need to be born again. I've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Today is your day. And maybe you're here and you say, I, I, I've, I've prayed that prayer before, but I haven't been living for God like I know I could or should. And, and I, I need a fresh start, a new beginning. I need God to cleanse me. And I need a fresh beginning. And I want to sell out a new and a fresh to God. Either one of those, starting new or starting over, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand high in the air. This place is going to cheer and celebrate. You're not going to get the snarky little look. You're going to get people clapping and shouting and cheering for you. And someone will come and pray with you right where you stand. But it's going to take you being bold. It's going to take you not being ashamed of your walk with Jesus Christ and saying, I want to serve him. On three. Let's go for it right now. Let's make today is your day of victory. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up really, really high. Anybody in this place? I'm going to wait. There's one right back here. Yes, there's a young person right there. There's another one right over here. That's two. Is there anybody else in this place? Wave your hand. Let me see you. Come on, church. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed the service. If you live here in Colorado Springs or you're going to be in the city, I hope that you'll come and experience the service firsthand. And for those of you that are enjoying the ministry and you're being fed to on a weekly basis, I invite you to partner with us financially and make an investment into the mission and the vision of Rock Family Church. And lastly, if you've never made a commitment and a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, would you make that decision today? Why wait till tomorrow? Why wait till next weekend? I dare you to pray this prayer with me. Would you close your eyes? Would you pray this prayer with me and repeat it? It goes like this. Pray this with me. Say, Dear God, forgive me of all of my sins and mistakes. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I invite him to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. My life is now in your hands. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Amen. Hey, thanks for making that commitment. Will you email us at info at rockfamilychurch.com. Tell us about your new decision to stand up big and live strong for Jesus Christ. We'd love to celebrate with you. God bless you guys. We'll see you next weekend.